0: Welcome back to another episode of the Football MD Podcast. As always, your host, Dan Ronan, here with my co host, Mike Bowling. We also are joined today with our resident Office Alliance specialist,
1: Mike Bow. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. First guest on the podcast. It's only right that the offensive line with the lead block.
2: Yeah, man, it's a pleasure to have you here. We've both known Mike Bowe for quite some time. We went to high school together. This guy has been playing football forever, and he really does know his stuff. He's been releasing a ton of articles over on footballmdpodcast.com. We know we're always pushing you over to our website to check out our rankings, but make sure you guys head over there and look at his articles as well. He's really been doing a great job. I think you have another article
1: coming out soon. That's right. I'm working on my fifth article now. It's titled Who the Hell is Russ Grimm? He's the Redskins legend from the Hogs, the legendary offensive line from the 80s when they won all their Super Bowls.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely excited there. Sorry to cut you off just a little bit. I don't want you to tell too much. I want people to go and read this article because he really has been putting out some great work. It's funny when we first started doing this podcast and we got the website going, I was talking all kinds of shit. I was saying I'm going to start putting out articles every single week. I haven't even done one yet. Then we bring in Mike Bowe, and he already has. As he's about to have five out, so he's really been crushing it. He's really been working hard. We appreciate to have him as a part of the football MD team, and we are extremely excited to have him on today's episode to discuss busts. These are going to be players that we do not think are going to return value on where they are currently being drafted. Last week, we gave you some players that we think are values in the mid to late rounds to help win you your leagues. This week, we're going to give you some players that you may want to avoid based off of where they are being drafted. Then we're going to close the episode out with our top draft mistakes that we see every year, give you guys some basic strategy to help win you your draft. And then a segment that I'm extremely excited for, we're going to have a quick Q&A with Mike Bowe himself. We're going to ask him about some offensive lines from around the NFL and how that fits into him projecting teams for the NFL season and for his fantasy picks.
0: For now, though, let's go ahead and dive into those fantasy busts or at least guys that are on bust alert guys when we talk about fantasy busts i just want to make a quick note that we're not saying that these guys are relatively bad or they're not going to perform usually what it has to do with is that they're not going to perform to where they're being drafted or they're not going to give you that value that you're looking for at their draft position so it's not to say that these players are bad or they won't have good games here and there but When you look at a player who's being drafted as the wide receiver 15, is he going to finish there or higher? And these are the type of guys who they have a high probability of probably falling lower than that category. So the first guy that I have on a little bit of a bust alert is Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller, I know he gets a lot of volume. That's always been the benefit of Lamar Miller. He kind of returns a moderate fantasy value because he gets a lot of opportunities He can catch the ball, he can run, but he's just not really too efficient with those opportunities. He doesn't really create big plays. When I watch him, he doesn't really pass that eye test as as far as like an explosive guy who could get into the second level and break a home run type of play. He's just a little bit like he'd get caught by the defense. So not that he's not great, but he's never really performed with his opportunities and he's gotten plenty of opportunities to do so. He, He just hasn't been able to perform. So I just feel with, you know, another year, if he kind of gets off to a slow start. Obviously, Foreman's not going to be there to start the season, but when he comes back, that's a talented rusher who's going to push him for carries, and then it's going to be difficult for him to fend off a much more, in my opinion, a much more explosive younger player who can you know, maybe do a little bit more with those carries that Lamar Miller is just not going to get.
1: I did want to jump in and say that the Houston Texans line is dead last, ranked number 32. There's just not a lot of talent up and down that line. It's just a bunch of free agents and late picks. And to be honest, Dr. Foreman coming back is probably going to take that job back. Like right now, if you ask me, I couldn't even name their best player. I think it might be Nick Martin, brother of probably the best offensive lineman, Cowboys star, Zach Martin. But to comment on this list about the busts, this list almost for me is a, a void list. On my personal draft board, Lamar Miller is somebody who I would never draft. So he's somebody I would take right off my draft board and just kind of ignore him. He's going to fall, fall, fall in the draft, and I wouldn't touch him at all. I do feel a
2: little bit differently about this pick. I do understand that one of the things that people were always rooting for for Lamar Miller was to get more volume when he was over in Miami or earlier in his career. People were always saying more volume. And when he finally got that with the Texans, he disappointed a lot of fantasy players and I think people are souring on him, which is causing him to drop in drafts. And I think that every player has value at a certain point. I get that Lamar Miller is not the type of player that's gonna win you your league, and he could be quite a disappointment for your fantasy team. But he did play a lot better when Deshaun Watson was on the field last year. I don't think that Deonta Foreman coming back after missing such a large chunk of the season is just going to automatically take that job back and in the fourth round where Miller's currently going that's not somewhere that I'm personally comfortable taking him for all of the reasons that my two co-hosts here just laid out so I definitely agree with them there but I do think that every player has value at a certain point so if Lamar Miller's sitting there maybe in the back of the fourth or in the fifth round especially if I need a running back he's somebody that I would love to have on my team
1: listen don't get me wrong I had him on my roster last year I had him actually as my third round pick he was my Third running back off the board, Try to go with a running back heavy strategy, and it worked. I won the fantasy championship. But he's just not a guy from experience I'm comfortable rostering again because I know trying to figure out stardom sit for Lamar Miller every week is a headache. You just don't want to deal with this. Don't do that to yourself. Avoid at all costs.
2: Now for our next player, my number one potential bust for 2018 is a player that I might get some backlash on for this, but that is Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know people love Juju. I do as well. I loved what I saw on the field from him last season, but he's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 16. Throughout Ben Roethlisberger's career, he's only supported two top 16 wide receivers one time. Now you may say that he hasn't had the type of talent that he does now with Juju and Antonio Brown on the team. But Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are the first option targets on that offense. At best, Juju is the third person that Ben Roethlisberger is looking at. And there's this metric that I love to study for wide receivers, and it bases where they finish in fantasy based off of where they finished in their target totals for that season. Typically, the standard deviation is about five in either direction. So if you receive the 15th most targets in the NFL, it's likely that you finish somewhere between the 10th and 20th wide receiver in fantasy. Now, last season, Tyreek Hill definitely broke this metric. He finished 15 spots higher in fantasy points than he did in targets. However, he came in second place in this metric, whereas Juju Smith-Schuster, was number one. He finished 29 spots higher in fantasy points than he did in targets. He had 51 targets and still managed to finish as the wide receiver 22. As I mentioned before, he's now being drafted as the wide receiver 16. I do think that his opportunity will go up in the offense this season. So I understand him being a little bit more productive, but I think that he is absolutely being drafted at his ceiling. And that's not something that I like to do. I like to have equity built up in each pick, get value, especially in those earlier rounds. However, what I will say about Juju Smith-Schuster is if anything, God forbid, were to happen to Antonio Brown, I think he is automatically locked in as a top 10 wide receiver on the season. So there is a ton of upside there, but barring injury, I don't think he's going to return value on where he's being drafted.
0: Yeah, I think Juju is really all about how you look at it. Like you said, when you look at it from the standpoint as he is being drafted at his ceiling, I can totally agree with that opinion. You know what you're going to get from him because going exactly where he should be, there's really no value in that. And I see that line of thought. But I do think this year he is going to get more opportunity than he had last year. Mainly because, yes, you said Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were the two main targets in, in that offense. And there is no arguing that. The problem is, realistically, Ben Roethlisberger averages about 600 passing attempts per season so even if antonio brown accounted for 200 targets and Le'Veon bell 150 that would still leave 250 passing targets to go elsewhere and easily that can be 100 for juju smith schuster as the third man in the offense and we seen what he did with 50 targets you could only imagine what he could do with 100 double that so yeah he might not be as efficient as he was last year, but the targets will be there this year for him. But I do understand he is going at his ceiling, so you're not going to get a ton of value. But I do think he has a pretty safe floor because he's going to produce in that offense and he's going to get some targets in that offense. But I understand, like I said, the train of thought of not getting too much value in the
1: pick. Juju for me is an interesting player. I don't know if it's more of his play last year or that he's just a really popular player with the he just has a lot of fans. He's just somebody that everybody wants on their on their fantasy team. I know I'm trying to target him, but it's going to cost maybe a third round, maybe even a second round pick to get this guy. You're going to have to draft him way higher than you really should, and that's exactly what this list is about, we, just not reaching for these type of players that are not going to return value. It's hard for me to call him a, a bust or, or somebody to avoid, but Juju for me, he, he's going to produce. I don't know if he's going to be better than he was last year, but just the stat that Mike brought up there about – basically breaking that metric about the the targets, that speaks volume for him just being a playmaker. He just scores touchdowns.
2: That is true. Maybe he's just the anomaly that is able to make those game-breaking plays like a Tyreek Hill that's able to be consistent for your fantasy team despite having a high number of targets. I just think that's something that's built in with the risk of taking him so high in your draft. Now, my next bust is an- another guy that I think I may get some backlash for for this one, but I have Greg Olsen perennial top three tight end as a potential bust for this season and I know that he's always been great but he will be 34 this year and I think a lot of people are ignoring what he did before his injury last season everyone looks at his down year last year as he was just injured we'll just throw it out however in the first three games of the season before he suffered that injury he had two receptions for 18 yards in week one one reception for 10 yards in week two and again one reception for 10 yards in week three. So he wasn't getting those high reception totals, those high yardage numbers that he's used to putting up. He's never been a red zone type of tight end. He's more of a yardage guy, and we did not see that last year. He's also coming off of an injury that has a 20% chance of needing a second surgery. I think with DJ Moore being added to the team as a slot receiver. They're getting another year out of Devin Funchess, who is essentially a tight end in my eyes. I think it's going to be very difficult for him to get back to those high targets, high receptions, high yardage numbers that made him such a fantasy value in years past.
0: Yeah, in my opinion, honestly, this one I would definitely have to not agree with. Just because Greg Olsen is going to be the number one target share as long as he's healthy in that offense. He has a great rapport with cam newton he's been there for a long time the team likes to run through him they still have the same head coach you know they're trying to do the same things you know that they have a different offensive coordinator this year but as a philosophy as a team and just cam new is not going to abandon a favorite target of his he's going to want to stick with what's familiar especially in an offense that he's trying to learn this year with the new offense coordinator so i would have to disagree just because i think He's going to get a large portion of the target share, and he really is a great player. I don't see him not producing with that opportunity, and I don't see the opportunity going anywhere. And with the fact that he's going to produce at the pace that he's supposed to produce at, in such a shallow position, I do think there's good value there. Because you do know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get a top, top-tier guy, and you're going to get top-tier usage week in and week out, in a position where half of the league doesn't get an opportunity to have that security at that position. Everybody's going to have a decent running back or a decent wide receiver or two of one or the other, but not everybody is going to have a week in, week out starter at the tight end position. So a guy like Greg Olson that gives you that, I think that's value in there. I get being weary of the new talent rolling in, but like I said, I just think that's going to always take time to get acclimated. And obviously, Christian McCaffrey in the second season it will be a little bit more acclimated. But Greg Olson, Cam Newton, been doing it for a long time together. I just don't see him abandoning that trust, especially in situations of need. So good opportunity for him. That's the that's how I feel. But I, I can see why you think the target share might decrease, especially with at- a higher age. A guy that I think is on the opposite end of that spectrum, who's approaching the situation that you're talking about, is on my bus list, and that's Emmanuel Sanders. I think that's a guy who's aging, has some injury history, and he's got two young up-and-coming guys in Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton coming up behind him, gonna press him for targets. I think Demarius Thomas is obviously the first guy. Royce Freeman looks like he's emerging as a workhorse back, so he'll be getting a lot of carries and maybe even some receptions out of the backfield, getting a lot of work there. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who might be more inclined to get phased out, so to speak. I think that's what you're talking about with Greg Olson. You're worried, worried about him getting phased out. I don't really see that happening in that offense at this time. But Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that I think could definitely be on that kind of alert, where you know, maybe if he struggles in the beginning of the season, doesn't build a rapport with Keenum, whatever it might be, it could be a guy
2: that they look away from. I just think Sanders is somebody that gets a little bit overlooked because he is a boring player to draft for fantasy. And last season, as you were saying, he is getting up there in age, and we have seen him slow down. His yards per target has decreased in each of the last three seasons. But before last season, we did see three consecutive years with 1,000 or more yards. And in those three years, he had nine, six, and five touchdowns. And even last season, he was averaging 7.7 targets per game. That was 17th among wide receivers. So even though he's not exciting, he may be slowing down. He still is a focal point of that offense. And I think he can be a reliable safety net for an incoming quarterback this season.
1: Emmanuel Sanders, that's another guy that comes to mind when I talk about list, Completely <laughs> off the draft board. <laughs> Don't do it to yourself. Start him, sit him, nightmare. Think about it. When are you going to roster this guy? When are you going to put him in your starting lineup and be comfortable?
0: Yeah, that's exactly like I said. I, I, to me, not that I kind of typically agree with Mike in the fact that there's always value somewhere in a player, obviously in the later rounds. When the other guys in your league are drafting the likes of John Ross, who's a Darth throw, and other guys of these nature who are just equally dart throws, why not take one on him? Yeah, why not? But at the same time, I don't think – With his injury history and his age, young guys coming in, I don't think that you're guaranteed to get value out of him. I think there's an opportunity for him to get phased out and not garner a lot of targets, a lot of opportunity, especially because, like Mike said, yeah, he's been good, but last year he did kind of decline. I do think he's going to have a better quarterback this year in Case Keenum. But the thing that Case Keenum being the first year in Denver does for everybody there is – Nobody has an advantage of a rapport with that quarterback. Everybody's fresh with him. Everybody's new, even the guys who are new to the team. Because even the guys who have been there, they haven't been with Keenum. Keenum's new. So there's no favorites just yet. He could be clicking with a guy like Courtland Sutton. He could have had a lot of reps with him. You never know how those things kind of play out. But it's just a guy that I think could potentially be phased out in that offense.
2: Now, speaking of being phased out, my next player is somebody that the general consensus is thinking the exact opposite about, and that is Marquise Goodwin. A lot of people think that he's going to be walking into a massive target share, being the wide receiver one in the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not quite ready to buy into that assumption. He's currently being drafted in the fifth round ahead of Allen Robinson and Marvin Jones. I think that's ridiculous. Last season was his career high in receptions, and that was only 56 receptions. That was without Pierre Garçon. You can say what you want about Pierre Garçon. He's getting up there in age, but he's going to be involved in that offense, especially as a guy that's going to garner a lot of targets. That's just the type of receiver that he is. I think that Marquise Gowin is a very talented NFL player, but I think he's more of a Deshaun Jackson, field-stretching type of guy. And looking back at last year and the year prior, wide receiver twos, that's finishing in the top 24 at the position, typically average around 70 to 75 targets, or they have high touchdowns. That's guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Alshon Jeffrey, who had seven and eight touchdowns each last season. Now, I don't see Goodwin hitting that reception range or those touchdown totals, honestly. I think that he truly is being drafted at his ceiling and i would be very surprised if he managed 65 receptions, 7 touchdowns and 1000 or more yards this season, which is what he would need to finish as a wide receiver 2 in any given year. So i do think that he's being drafted at his ceiling and a lot of people are forgetting that he has a real risk for injury. This guy's been in the concussion protocol 6 times over the last two seasons, and now we want him to get 120-plus targets, I don't think he's going to be able to make it through a full season. Unfortunately, I mean, I'd love to watch him play, and I don't like to wish injury on anybody. It just seems like if he's going to be that involved, injury will be in the cards as well, which, again, is unfortunate.
0: That is a great point that you bring up, especially with the concussion protocol. We know how seriously that is taken in the NFL. That's definitely going to be something that he's that if he struggles with, can really be detrimental to his fantasy production. Obviously, you don't even want to talk about fantasy production next to injury, but sometimes we do have to mention it. Goodwin is a guy that I'm a big fan of. The argument for him that I have is he's not the type of player who needs too many targets to do a lot with. He can stretch that field and he can beat pretty much anybody in the NFL deep. So what he could do with the small amount of targets that he get can pay off in the long run in my opinion. He could give you per game what I like to call a bonus touchdown, a deep touchdown that offers you a little bit more than the standard six points. It'll give you maybe a point or two extra for, you know, being such a deep touchdown if your league permits that. But I do see your point in the concussion protocol weariness. And that is something I'll even have to go back and look at my draft board because I've been super high on him. And that is something that is definitely pretty worrisome when you're trying to take somebody, like you said, in the fifth round where – if he doesn't pan out, you had a lot of equity in that pick.
1: Goodwin, for me, is a very similar situation to Juju. It's almost like the secret is out. A lot of people are like, saw what he did with Jimmy G last year and sees that, see that connection, and he doesn't exactly have it with Pierre Garçon. I've actually seen a draft where Pierre Garçon got drafted before Goodwin, and if that happens, jump on Goodwin immediately. Goodwin's a guy I don't exactly understand why we have him on the list, but at the same time I do because he's somebody who's going to get drafted so high, and we don't know if he's going to return that value.
0: That's all the bust that we're going to talk about for today. Now, guys, think about this as a general guideline. You can take a lot of these situations and apply them to a lot of different players. Maybe even players that we might say that we like. Sometimes we can be a little biased. We have players that we like, dislike, and you might have the same situation. That's completely fine. If you look at the general description of what we gave you, for example the injury age being phased out of an offense that might apply to more players than just Greg Olson and Emmanuel Sanders. If you find a player like that that's something to be weary of. So just keep in mind that you can look through the guys and see which when applying these situations you can see which which players you would want to avoid and which players you would want to take because like bowling always says it's no fun to draft guys that people tell you to take For no reason. You want to like the guys that you take. You want to be invested into them. You don't want to be not invested into your fantasy lineup. That being said. We'll move on to some draft mistakes. Mike Bowling will lead us off on this one. Because he is working on his draft mistakes article. That he's been putting a lot of time into. So it should be absolutely wonderful. You guys should check it out on the website. When he does finally post it. We don't know when that will be.
2: Yeah, guys, I honestly dropped the ball on this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrote this article. It's been ready to go, and I have not posted it. So, especially being the fact that
0: it's a draft mistake article, you kind of need it before drafts occur. And guess what? We're almost at the end of drafts. Like, yes, I realize that it is Thursday.
2: I realized that it is too late. Next the Thursday. article is not really going to help anybody. So we're going to give you a lot of these draft mistakes today on the episode. We'll probably even be posting some to our social media pages. So make sure you are following us at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You don't wanna make these draft mistakes. They may seem simple, but they will help you win your drafts, which everybody wants to start their fantasy season off on the right foot. So make sure you're getting those. Now, my number one draft mistake, and this one might seem obvious, but it is showing up to your draft unprepared. Way too often, fantasy players enter drafts without doing their homework. Some flat out just don't care about fantasy football and are only participating because a friend or coworker forced them into it, which I'm gonna take this opportunity to publicly apologize to my coworkers. And that's fair if you don't care about it. But if you do want to be competitive, you need to be prepared. Staying up to date with prominent injuries and partaking in mock drafts are the best way to prep for your actual draft. But even for more casual players, we have our top 200 player rankings and our 2018 cheat sheets available on footballmdpodcast.com for a reason, people. We know the players that we like. We know the people that we want to take. We're putting them out on the internet for you. So take advantage of that. Use them and have fun in fantasy football this season by starting your season off the right way.
0: Hashtag MD promo.
2: <laughs> My second big-time draft mistake is being locked into a certain strategy or failing to make adjustments as the draft goes on. Obviously, as mentioned before, having done your homework, you should go into your draft with a strategy. However, refusing to deviate from your plan can result in missed opportunities. Remember, the goal of your draft is to maximize value on every pick. So you may want to start your draft with running backs in the first two rounds, but so did everyone else in your league. So don't miss out on the value of taking an elite wide receiver or any other position because you needed another running back. Our 2018 cheat sheet uses tiered rankings to help you properly value players. Little subtle plug there. And just for a real-life reference to this, you guys know from our mock draft episode that myself and Dan love to go extremely running back heavy. Myself and Dan also did a mock draft about two weeks ago, where I had the 12th pick, and I ended up with Odell Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins. Now, do I wish that I had a top-tier running back? Of course, but am I going to pass on two players that could finish in the top three at their position? No. So don't be so locked into your strategy. You have to be fluid. You have to make adjustments as the draft falls to you.
0: Yeah, this one I totally agree with. The whole point of a draft is literally taking advantage of the value that comes to you every single round. You don't want to be reaching on players. You want to find the guy that, you know, is supposed to go, you know, in the beginning of the first round, you get him at the late in the first. The guy who's supposed to go at the end of the first round, you get in the beginning beginning of the second. You want to keep trying to get value on the most value you can on your picks. And that just means having a fluid draft strategy, not being tied into one certain player or type of player.
2: Now moving on to draft mistake number three is passing on your guy because average draft position says it's too early to take him. So for this situation, I think that ADP is both a gift and a curse. It tells you where players are supposed to go based off of where millions of other fantasy players are taking them. But sometimes you just have to get your guy. It is an average draft position for a reason. The name inherently implies that sometimes a player goes higher and sometimes the player goes lower. If you believe in the player and you want him on your team but are not sure if he will still be there at your next pick, just take him now. Don't get hung up on your league mates taunting you for reaching on a player, and I'm sure they will. But at the end of the season, all that matters is where that player finishes. Remember guys, Todd Gurley, the running back one from last season, had an ADP near the third round last year. So if you took him in the first round, it's likely That some of your league mates made fun of you. However, I don't think anyone's laughing now after he put up a 50-point game in the fantasy championship. I lost the league to that, actually. So open wound.
0: (laughs) I can I can totally get on board with this one. Using ADP as law is always a bad idea. You gotta, like I said, you gotta take advantage of certain situations, and you have to be aware of the draft as it's flowing that day that it's occurring every draft is different so when you need to get one of those guys that you're very confident in that you want on your squad because you'll play him week in week out with full confidence letting you sleep easier at night rather than up all night worrying about who you're gonna play who you're not gonna play these are the guys that when you like them and you are willing to just play them on a regular basis go and get them whenever you feel that they are going to go 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 ahead and jump jump somebody and get them a little bit earlier if you have to If you think that it's going to pay off, it's worth the gamble sometimes. Obviously, make a gamble, take a safe pick to balance it out. That's always a good strategy. But on certain guys that you really like, don't necessarily draft them exactly where the ADP is and miss out on a guy that you're high on and a situation where you can gloat later
2: about how you knew better than your league mates. Remember guys, fantasy football is about being better than your friends, not adhering to where they think certain players should go. So if you're high on a guy, take him and rub it in your friend's face later.
0: But you gotta make sure to not overreach on guys, which is Mike's next fantasy draft mistake.
2: As I just mentioned, I don't completely adhere to ADP and I'm all for drafting aggressively to get your guy. But there is a point of no return in my opinion. And what I mean by that is by reaching too far on a player, you erase all of the equity that you are associating with having that player on your roster. For example, I have Joe Mixon as a player with tons of breakout potential this season, but he's now being drafted in the middle of the second round. By taking him there or even earlier, I'm no longer paying for the potential of a breakout, but I'm paying for what would need to be a breakout for him to return value on that pick and the same can be said for players that generate tons of hype based off of their previous season's performance. Deshaun Watson and Tyreek Hill are prime examples of this. They both put up impressive but unsustainable stat lines last season and are clear candidates for regression and are still being drafted as if they will automatically replicate their numbers from last season. Search for value, don't draft players based on last year's stats or their best case scenario. They're most likely not going to return on the value that you're putting into that pick. And now moving on to the final draft mistake that we will cover on this episode. So to get the other five, again, make sure that you are checking footballmdpodcast.com. Make sure you're following us at footballmdpod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But... For draft mistake number five, I have worrying too much about bye weeks, and I'll keep this one short. Just don't skip on more talented or higher ranked players because their bye week conflicts with that of other players that you've drafted earlier. By the time bye weeks roll around, it's likely that your team will look quite different due to free agent acquisitions, trades, and more unfortunately, injuries. Take the best player available, focus on finding value, build depth, and worry about bye weeks as they come you'll be fine.
0: And in theory, if you did have the best guys available and you took advantage of that value and you made an elite fantasy squad, you really would not have to worry about the one week that they quote-unquote had the bye week and you couldn't produce. So in my opinion, theoretically, it's not as important as people want to make it seem like it is. Just get the best player available like my co-host just said, because The best player available is going to give you the best output for the longevity of the season. Sacrificing one week is not significant enough to put off season-long productions. For example, yeah, you might already have two wide receivers off the board, but if there was a run in running backs early and there is not going to be good value at the running back position in the third round, but there might be a wide receiver who dropped, take advantage of that. Grab that guy and stack up at the wide receiver position. Same thing with bye weeks. Make sure that you're not focusing too much on a bye week or some kind of stat that is really just week to week when you want to look at the total output for the entire season by a given player. Get the best value. And that is all for Mike Bowling's Fantasy Draft Mistakes. Remember, he will be still posting that article on our website at footballmdpodcast.com. Go check it out it will be worth a read he'll have more than just the five that we discussed here so remember to go check that out before we wrap up today's episode though like we said we have Mike Bow in the building with us we want to take advantage of that and have a little Q&A with the offensive line specialist here at Football MD get you guys some knowledge some crucial knowledge that could really benefit you these this is information that is relevant it it drastically impacts every team. No team is really successful without a stout offensive line. So so with that being said, Mike Bo, give us your top five offensive lines.
1: All right, for my top five, I actually have the Cowboys still coming in at number one, even with the recent news with Frederick. And then at number two, I do have the Eagles. And a lot of people argue that I probably should have that swapped because the Eagles, one through five, do have the, the most talent. And coming in right at number three, I have the Steelers, just consistency year after year. They've just been dominating the offensive line. And then now I have the, the Falcons coming in at number four. I know you're excited about that, Dan. And then the Titans with my favorite player, Terry LeJuan, anchoring that line coming right in.
2: Now, my question actually directly feeds off of Dan's question in a way, which is crazy, Dan. You would think we were like best friends or something. What I really want to know is, Bo, who are your bottom five offensive lines in the NFL? And how does that really affect your decisions for fantasy? Are there players on those bottom five units that
1: you would maybe avoid because of your lack of trust in them? It's really interesting you ask me that because, actually, this is the NFL, and to rank these offensive lines is really tough coming to the last five because these are all elite players. They've made it to the league. These guys know what they're doing. And as a unit of five, you're going to find at least one or two guys that they don't exactly stand out, and that's why they kind of fall at the bottom of this list. But coming at the bottom, 32 would be the Texans that I mentioned before, the Jets, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and then the Vikings. And then everybody's thinking now, the Cardinals and the Vikings—they have two elite running backs. We're gonna we're gonna call Dalvin Cook the elite <laughs> running back. But at the same time, like you said, how important is it to fantasy purposes? I would try to say you can't really look at it when there's a passing game. Passing game makes offensive line easy because they don't know what's coming between the run or pass. It's about having that dual-threat offense that you kind of almost have to ignore the bad offensive line play, that you can't be afraid to draft somebody like David Johnson, like Dalvin Cook, like maybe even one of the Seahawks running backs. But at the same time, be wary of Texans, Jets. Their lines are really bad. So, would you agree then
0: that it's kind of like a case-by-case basis? When you have that elite-level running back who can create on his own, you don't really want to put too much stock into the bad offensive line but when it's when it's a player who is not an elite caliber running back and can't create on his own then the offensive line can drastically impact his production
2: exactly now Bo I actually have another question for you and this one's based off of what might be my favorite article that you've written so far it is the all Bo team for anyone that hasn't checked that out yet, Mike Bowe essentially drafted his fantasy offensive lines from NFL teams and split them into five different units based on his rankings. So I was wondering if you would share some of that with us or how much you're willing to uh, put on audio right now.
1: So basically the idea of making this was the NFL has the all-pro team. I get it. We're playing on words, the all-Bowe team. And I've never seen any, any other team that they've done for all-pro they only usually do two, the top two units. I did five just to kind of switch it up and kind of extend the the knowledge a little bit for you. So I'm going to just tease the second team for you. You can go to the website and check out the article. So coming in at left tackle for the second team all bow is Redskins left tackle, Trent Williams. And then left guard, we have Asamoa Asamele out of uh, the Raiders. Center, we have Alex Mack from the Falcons. And then we have right guard, we have... David DeCastro from the Steelers, and lastly, right tackle Ryan Ramchek of the Saints. Basically what this is showing is trying to almost predict the 2018 All-Pro before it happens. So the first two teams are what's most important, and the first team is me actually predicting the All-Pro.
2: You guys, it's a really fun article to read, really just to even learn a little bit more about some of the top offensive linemen in the NFL. Bo does a really good job of highlighting those
1: players. So make sure you head over and check that out. Also, in addition to that, I made another article called The Rising Stars Team, and that's just one team to basically shine light on either your 25 years or younger, or you're three years less in the league. It's basically guys that haven't broke out yet. And this is really interesting for me to look at because it's a lot of guys that people don't really know about or they just really haven't lived up to their potential yet. So at left tackle, we have Ronnie Stanley. Left guard, we have rookie Will Hernandez. Center, we have Patrick Elflein, who's actually injured right now, and I'll touch on him in a little bit from the Minnesota Vikings. And then we have right guard Forrest Lamp from the Chargers, and then the right tackle, we have rookie Colting Miller. As well as that team, I also selected a unit on the rise, and that would be the Chicago Bears. And that's because of their new offensive line coach. If anybody doesn't realize, the Bears hired a new head coach, Matt Nagy, offensive coordinator from the Chiefs. He actually went out and hired one of the best. Most well respected offensive line coaches in the country, the old Notre Dame head coach, Harry Heastan. Harry Heastan put together some of the best talent that you've ever seen in recent memory. He had two top 10 draft picks this year in the offensive line. And some of the names that he's coached before include Zach Martin, who's on my all bow team, and Ronnie Stanley, who is on this list right here on Rising Stars. And just to Kind of comment on Patrick Elfling again. He's somebody who I definitely think is going to break out at some point. But injuries are just catching up with him. He's out of Ohio State. He's a third-round pick, and it's kind of why he fell in the draft. Because he's kind of injury-prone. But it's such a scare for the Vikings, this guy being injured, that they went ahead and traded with the Giants for Brett Jones. That's something to keep an eye on for the Vikings as a whole. But this is a guy that, in due time, I do feel like he deserves a spot on this list.
0: So before we wrap up this Q&A here with our offensive line specialist, Mike Bowe. I want to give him one last question, one last thing to talk about. Obviously, Mike and I come here every week because we love to do this. We love to talk about it, and we want to see people talk about what they love. We know you're a diehard Redskins fan. Break down the Redskins for us. Give us a little information on their offensive line, what we can expect for maybe guys like Adrian Peterson or Rob Kelly this year. And promo your 5th uh, article coming out this weekend.
1: Thank you, Dan. And actually, I'm shocked that you're giving me this more about the Redskins. Being that you gave me crap about putting the, the logo, or whatever you want to call it, the, the title picture, as Trent Williams.
0: No, 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 no. What I gave you shit was, you put the first picture of the article and the last picture of an article both Redskins. Just sense. a lot of Redskins it fan page, you know? So I think what we can
2: learn from this is that Dan Brodin hates the Redskins. You guys should not draft anybody. <laughs> Stop doing
0: this, Bowling. Stop year. doing this.
1: Look, it made sense to me. I had them coming in right at number 10, and a lot of people are going to call it a homer pick. But if you look ahead of them, there's actually only five lines that have two pro bowlers, like perennial pro bowlers. Like we're talking about Trent Williams and Brandon Sheriff. The last two, last, I think, two years in a row, they both made it to the Pro Bowl, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. and it looks like they're going to be in another year again to do it again. This this offensive line, probably more than any other offensive line in the league, had to deal with injuries, and Trent Williams was probably injured the most, and he actually played right through these injuries. He had a career-threatening injury. The doctors actually suggested if he gets hurt again, the same injury, he might have to stop playing football, and he said, screw that, I'm putting the team on my back, and he, did, he didn't miss a game. So for 15 straight games, he didn't let up a sack. This guy's unbelievable. This guy is the anchor out of the offensive line and for years to come. Some of the other positions, there's an obvious hole at left guard, and they're trying to sub different players in. Maybe their rookie that they just drafted, a tackle, on Christian, they're trying to maybe shift him over to guard. But right now they have the starter, Sean Lavelle, and he is just Probably the worst starting offensive lineman in the top 10. (laughs) And it's it's hard for me to talk about this guy. I don't understand why they just keep giving him the the job over and over and over when clearly it's the weakness of the offensive line. Center they have Chase Rollier And he actually was, for Pro Football Focus, named him one of the best steals in the draft. He looks like he has a ton of potential. And he was a late-round pick. And he steps in. And he was depth last year. But they had so much confidence in him staying there that they didn't sign back their center Spencer Long, another guy who was faced with a ton of injuries. We talked about the right guard. You know how I feel about Brandon Sheriff. I bought a Brandon Sheriff jersey. I think that says all you need to know. I have a jersey of a right guard. Yes, he wore number 75. And for those of you who know, 75 was my number in high school. And then a right tackle. They actually have one of the best pass-blocking right tackles in the league. People could argue me all they want. Just watch the game footage of them against the Raiders last year. And watch Morgan Moses block Khalil Mack. And this guy actually held his own in this game. The Redskins actually beat the Raiders too just saying. so you wanted me to talk about the Redskins offense Alex Smith I do believe is an upgrade from Kirk Cousins and I don't know how much this guy has left in the tank talk about Adrian Peterson but Trent Williams is very excited to have him on the team Trent Williams actually played in college Oklahoma Sooners with Adrian Peterson and for those of you who don't know this has created a spark in the Redskins locker room thinking that this guy actually has some of that juice left. And it's gonna it's gonna be keeping me away from drafting guys like Rob Kelly or even Samaj P. Ryan in fantasy. Because Adrian Peterson looks like he could be back. Could be back to I don't know about his old self, but maybe a shell of himself. And he doesn't have to do everything because keep in mind we still do have Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson's a guy that you should be targeting in fantasy for PPR and he's a guy that has a stable role in the offense. Another guy is Jamison Crowder. Jameson Crowder is due for a career year. This guy, Alex Smith, loves the slot receivers, so I feel like Jameson Crowder is definitely going to get a ton of action, and a guy that everybody's sleeping on at the tight end position, Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed is a guy I'm super excited about, because if you look at Alex Smith's past, he's always had a good tight end. If you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at even going all the way back to his 49ers days, guess who? Vernon Davis. Guess who the second tight end is for the Redskins? Vernon Davis. Reunion for this guy. Look for a big year from Vernon Davis. And as for my upcoming article, try to go back to Redskins offense alignment. It's going to be about Russ Grimm, probably the most historic Redskins offense alignment. Hall of Fame 2010. I don't want to give too much away because I want to educate people on this guy. This is a guy that when Dan asked me who my favorite Hall of Famer is, I instantly thought of this guy, Russ Grimm. And he said, deep dive offensive lineman, I like it. That's something that I kind of disagree with. This is somebody that everybody should know about. And so much so that Taylor Luan, like I said before, is one of my favorite players in the league. This is a guy that he looks at as a mentor. He actually coached him for a year from 2016-2017 season. He was the Titans offensive line coach. And Taylor Luan looked at him as a mentor. And i actually seen, and I'm going to have a picture of it on the article. He had a jersey signed by Russ Grimm to Taylor LeJuan. And it just goes to show you their kind of relationship that they have. And this is the type of guy that deserves all the respect in the world. And like I said, this is the type of article that's perfect right before the season starts.
2: And guys, that's all that we have for you on today's episode. As always, thank you all so much for supporting the podcast. If you have been enjoying our episode so far, Please stop by iTunes, leave a quick five-star review. Make sure you're stopping by footballmdpodcast.com and please follow us at footballmdpod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are always releasing tons of content up there that has been priming you for the fantasy football season and will continue to keep you locked and loaded throughout the NFL regular season. Thank you, of course, to Mike Bowe for joining us on the podcast today. It was a pleasure. I Just want to say thanks for having me, guys.
0: And guys, don't forget also it is draft season; it is here. So make sure you print out and show up to your draft with our two thousand and eighteen draft cheat sheet with our full list of top two hundred players and tiered rankings in order to compare running backs and wide receivers a little bit more, a little bit more easily for you guys. Thank you guys for joining us once again. Look forward to next time. Have a good week.